Hey guys, welcome to the Money Investing Show. This week we are tackling the subject of new financial assets. You've probably seen crypto, but you may not have seen nifties and I wonder what they are, how they work. You're gonna find out in here. And what you're gonna be surprised at is that even though many people might see them as risky, maybe they're a little bit less risky than the more traditional investment assets that are. Enjoy the show, see you on the next one. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my companion offsider, Mr. Mitch Olerenshaw. Thanks for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Looking awfully dapper today, and I'd love to get your opinion on something that's really been hot in the news, hot off the press, new financial assets. Now, these aren't necessarily new things. We've seen that plenty of times over the past, but things like crypto, nifties, NFTs, collectibles, artwork, talk of the town at the moment, a lot of dollars being made. Absolutely, I guess you know, the whole world shifted with the current low interest rate environment that we're saddled with, and uh, and so investors are being forced to look under different rocks uh, than perhaps they would ordinarily do uh, in order to make a return. And look, yeah, there's a couple of big ones that are that are current, but this is by no means a, a new conversation, that's for sure. And if we look back through history, you know, our, our bread and butter is in the option space, of course, it's been around since 1974. We had the warrants explosion that we saw in the 90s and the early 2000s, CFDs in the early 2000s. Let's not forget, of course, the global financial crisis, collateralized debt obligations, CEOs, CEOs uh, swaps. So, yeah, there's always something new uh, that comes into the investment space and, and some stick some go and uh, some leave a fair trail of carnage behind them. CDO is probably being uh, <laughs> the best example of that. And, that. and part of the reason, of course, for the amount of damage that they left during the GFC is because nobody really properly understood what they were doing. That's the challenge because when something's new, A, it's very tough to regulate because you're not exactly sure on the mechanics behind it. But then again, there's plenty of money to be made in these areas as well. So probably a good place to start just as a broad overview, AB, what is a financial asset? We can talk about stocks, obviously we know that one, but just more broadly. It's, it's any asset that you can buy effectively uh, that you are looking to, to, to make some sort of gain or return out of. So it could be interest bearing like a bond or a, uh, some sort of debenture, uh, or it could be stock or a derivative, you know, futures, options, you know, CFDs, um, you know, um, warrants and so on are all in that space. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it can be uh, an asset that you buy with a view to making money from it, either appreciating in value or an income flow that comes from it, really simple. It's a pretty simple definition, I like it, and, and a really good place to start in <clears> terms <throat> of something that really has certainly exploded over probably the last five years <clears throat> would be cryptocurrency. Absolutely. What are your thoughts? Look, crypto, it, it's, it's not me, I, I don't have a great deal of skill set in that space. Uh, it's something I've been watching from the sidelines, and like everyone that's watched from the sidelines, you kind of wish you were in. Yeah. Uh, that said, I've focused on what I do and I've done well out of it. So, you know, it's one of those things, you've got to find something that resonates with you, I suppose. But I think, what we've really seen, particularly with crypto, um, is that you know over the last five, eight, nine years, it, it's gone from being this sort of shadowy, marginal, um, questionable financial instrument to something that's become increasingly mainstream. And probably the best endorsement of that, if you look at you know the amount of money from self-managed super, for example, you know the bastion of clean investing um, that started to go into crypto and it started a couple of years ago with you know a thousand five grand ten grand now you're seeing transactions in the hundreds of thousands from from decent sized self money supers getting exposure to it and heaven knows they would have made some pretty decent money out of that over the last uh, 18 months or so too it's funny you say that because personally i can't escape the crypto conversation wherever i go for example anecdotally i was at the bank a couple of weeks ago sorting a few things out my bank manager was telling me 
She'd literally made enough profit on Cardano coin, which I don't know a hell of a lot about. Mm -hmm. I do know it's a Bitcoin, or sorry, a crypto, yeah. to pay off her mortgage. And she mm -hmm. goes, my mortgage is about 900,000. So she's made nearly a million dollars on something she really knows nothing about, yet jumped in on the back of probably a large amount of FOMO mm -hmm. and just simply mass media promoting what it is. It, it's crazy. Isn't it just, and again, if you're gonna invest in something, you can just be playing lucky or you can build a skill set, and I think luck always runs out. Uh, building a skill set is more enduring. And yeah, if you look at that in the current state of the stock market, you know, you look at 2020, a lot of people made a lot of money out of 2020, and to be quite honest, you had to do something pretty dumb not to. It was the bottom <laughs> left, top right chart that made it very hard not to make money. The danger with that, of course, is if you move into uh, a different shape market, that will be, that will we see in the current 2021 uh, market. Um, the, you had a lot of luck and a tailwind last year, and that is not going to translate to a sideways or slightly weaker market. And all of a sudden, your confidence can really be well past where your competence sits. And that's why, you know, I believe uh, probably to my dying day that education is such an important part of what we do, not just as us as a business, but what we do as investors. You need to understand what you're doing rather than just, you know, it's rolled with ice and it's snake eyes, and you've been quite fortunate. Um, so, you know, getting upskilled to understand what you're doing is pivotal. And I think if you're going to play in any of these spaces, you know, getting a level of education is is pretty important to understand, most importantly, the risks, because they're the things that nobody really wants to talk about. What are the risks in that case? Well, you're dealing with an unregulated instrument that's extremely volatile. And if your risk appetite is such that you can handle that, fantastic. But if you're nervous, nervous, uh, and uh, you know, you've been weighing up, oh, do I keep my money in cash or a term deposit? No, I'm gonna put it in crypto. I mean, it's really day and night in terms of the risk and the potential return, of course. Sure, it's, it's an interesting concept because even looking at crypto specifically, you know, you and I have mentioned this previously mm -hmm. before that a lot of investors now, instead of using, say, gold as the non-financial market hedge, mm -hmm. they're now using crypto because there's no storage cost for crypto, of course, mm -hmm. and it's providing probably a better return mm -hmm. amidst gold prices meandering at, at relatively low levels. That's right. And I mean, if you're trading physical gold, you've got to store it somewhere. You know, it physically exists. You have to store it somewhere. So you've got holding costs. Your transaction fees are very, very high. Um, if you're trading a gold-based instrument, whether that's an exchange-traded fund or an option or a future on that, um, then you know, there are still transaction fees and you're also working with leverage, which could knock you around too. So you, know, you can understand why there's been, uh, perhaps some, I had to say it, with the younger generation, millennial type investors moving away from that physical asset into something that is a digital asset. And that's really paved the way, not just for crypto, of course, but into um, the current flavor of the month, the Nifty. Yes, this is what I wanted to talk about. NFTs, Nifties, yes. non-fungible tokens. That's right. Many of our listeners have probably heard about those before. Yeah. What's a Nifty? Look, these are, these are pretty interesting to try and get your head around it. Um, it uses blockchain technology, first of all, and one of the things that we've talked of previously is, um, you know, cryptocurrency has been an incredible thing. The biggest serendipity of that, I don't think the biggest thing is going to be crypto. I think it's actually going to be the technology that sits behind it in so far as blockchain. And that's already starting to uh, bear fruit as we look at NFTs, NFTs as an investment. So blockchain technology is where, say for example, you create a piece of music uh, and you can use blockchain to ensure that anytime anybody accesses that music, as the owner, the originator of that piece, you can receive your clip, if you will, of a royalty fee for that. And there's no, um, you know, and it is direct to source. It's an incredibly powerful way of being able to track the um, the genesis, the origin of something. So what we're effectively goes back to is the rightful place where it started. There's no sort of version 1.1. It is that thing. 
And with nifties, it's more so pertaining to artwork, if I understand it. Uh, at the moment, it has, but I mean, it could really translate into uh, a lot of different things. So you think, well, how can people be interested in digital art? But then you think about baseball cards, which of course is the comparison. Sure. Uh, you know, and if you happen to have some really rare collectibles there, they're worth millions of dollars. So how can something that was probably free at the time now be worth millions of dollars? And it just comes down to scarcity and perceived value. It's as simple as that. So, you know, if you think about, um, you know, uh, an example of this, um, so there was some recent art that was sold, digital art, uh, so it's not on a canvas, um, and it went for something like $69 million, is it Bo, Bo BP or Bopi? Or, I'm not sure. Someone's going to tell us in the comments below. <laughs> um, $69 million someone paid, and they paid in crypto, I believe, for it too. And so showing that this, this, this particular space is appealing to a, a demographic that's already you know, waist deep in that type of investment asset. Uh, and they bought a digital version of this. You know, they're basketball, people slamming uh, dunks in basketball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's available as a, a digital image and you can own that, you pay for it and you own that image uh, forever and a day and, 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 and it's yours. You know, so I don't know if I'd get that excited about owning some gifts, but. Yeah, look, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do know there was a, a dunk of LeBron James or mm. a LeBron James dunking for like $264,000. Mm. Not to mention Jack Dorsey, I believe, is his name, the creator of Twitter. Absolutely, auctioned off his first uh, tweet. tweet. I'm setting up my Twitter account. Today. $2.2 million yeah. that's all. I think I'd be pretty sure that's probably gone to charity, you'd hope so, given the amount of coin that uh, he's pulled down over the years. You'd think so. It's, mm. it's, it's just totally ludicrous, though, when we think about what it actually is and the kind of dollars being exchanged so, for it. Yes and no. Value and price are two very, very different things. You know, And, and what one person sees as being valuable uh, is seen as worthless by somebody else. So. You know, you, you know, we all listen to streaming music right now, um, and it's nice and convenient. The, the sound quality is very different. I happen to quite like vinyl as well. <laughs> um, you know, if I look through my, my vinyl collection, you know, I've got some original you know, Pink Floyd Ducks out of the moon, multiple Rolling Stones originals, Beatles originals, and they're worth a lot of money. And I haven't bought them um, with a view to playing them because <laughs> I just want them. <laughs> and this is crazy. I get a reproduction, a reprint that's got just as good sound quality. And I don't care if it gets scratched or any one of my kids decides to draw on the album cover. But if that happened to one of my originals, oh, I'd, be, I'd be terse, I think, would be the word. <laughs> that's the polite way of explaining So, So to me, that has value, but to you, it probably doesn't because I doubt very much whether you've got a turntable to play on. And so, you know, people's perception of value is, is, is through their own particular set of lenses. And, and it's important that we're aware that when we talk about investors, people talk to baby boomers, which are moving through the cycle and getting older and, you know, without sounding too, um, too cold, uh, at some point in the next, you know, 15, 20 years, going to move out of the cycle and be gone um, just on the basis of age. Um, there's a new generation of people coming through and what they see as being valuable it is really different. You know, you can look at classic cars and, you know, there's just an auction in Perth. I think it was a, like a, um, something went bust over there and there's like first or last edition Holden Condors. Wouldn't be my cup of tea. I wouldn't buy one. I wouldn't take one as a gift. I'd much prefer my car, but it's selling for millions of dollars because somebody sees some value in that. So, you know, it's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So it's are investments. And so, you know, it's a question of, you know, what people see as value is based on the lenses that they have. And heaven knows the track record of some of the nifty and, and certainly crypto have uh, uh, really blown all of the skeptics, myself included, out of the water. And you, you can't argue with the performance figure. It's it's crazy. It really is. But it will pop. It will pop. All bubbles do. Yeah, absolutely. And then it'll go again. <laughs> <laughs>
And look, if we talk about something now and transition that to something maybe a little bit more robust mm. that the older generation may be more familiar with, you mentioned you know classic cars. Mm. What about collectibles? So physical baseball cards, for example, or artwork that's physical. Got a lot, of, a lot of people making a lot of money out of that too. Absolutely, the, 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 and, and look, people like to hold what they have and touch and see it. And one of the tri tricky things from an investor's perspective, anyone that manages a super, for example, one of the key things, one of the overarching principles for self-managed super is what's called the sole purpose test. If you invest, it's got to be for investment purposes. Heaven forbid you should get any pleasure from it. So if you happen to have some art and you've bought it within your super, you can't hang it in your house and enjoy it every day. It's got to be stored in a facility as an investment asset. It's the same with wine. I like to drink my wine when it's aged enough, and so I wouldn't buy wine in my super as an investment. I'd much prefer to enjoy it. But there are people that do those things. And so, you know, that's something that's a physical, tangible asset that you can touch and hold. But is it really, it's just worth something because it's old or it's rare? And rarity and scarcity is what sets the value of anything. It just happens that the medium in this case has gone from something that you can physically touch and hold to something that's digital. And that's not necessarily such a bad thing. You know, we mentioned classic cars. How's this and you'd be crushed? There's a classic car storage facility. Have a Google of this if you want to cry. That's had a fire. I don't know if it's an insurance job or what. And, and, and you look at the cars that are being destroyed in there and they're, they're cars that are worth literally millions and millions of dollars and they, even though there'll be an insurance payout, they are not replaceable because they are one-offs. You're not going to get you know, Keith Richards' 1974 Ferrari Dino if it's burnt and it's gone. Um, you, know, you might be able to find another one that costs a few million bucks, but you're not going to get that one and that was what you had. And so the idea of being able to store something digitally means that that risk of something damaging happening to that asset is gone. The flip side is, of course, and we saw this with crypto, if you forget your password or where you've stored your, your <laughs> coins, um, you've got a world of hurt there too. So all assets carry a level of risk. It's just that the, the playing field has changed. And, and, and we can keep doing what we do, which we obviously are very good at, but you can't take your eye off what's coming over the horizon. And it may be, and I know we've got a crypto course that's in the wings for us to roll out. We've got a lot of demand for that, so we're going to build something in that space. Um, but there will continue to be things nifty right now. There might be nifty mark two uh, in, in, a, in a year or two's time, and that'll be the next thing that comes out. And you have to see what's coming. And a lot of investors will sort of pour water on it. What a waste of time. Can't believe anyone would do that. But really, it's no different to owning a classic car, is it? And that's something that most people would sort of, oh, I can kind of see the value in that. It comes back to that diffusion of innovation curve, which mm. the early adopters, early adopters absolutely. Yeah, innovators, mm. and then to, to mainstream. Yeah. Right now, we're probably in that early adoption space, especially in the case of nifties. Yeah. And, and where that comes in the future poses mm. the million dollar question to you here, AB. How do you make some money from this? Mm. I think before you invest, invest in yourself and find out how it works. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, you just look at, it's like a car boot sale or, or, or a garage sale. Sometimes you're going to unearth a bit of treasure and sometimes you're going to buy a bit of junk. And I guess that's the skill in knowing what you're doing and that can translate to financial markets. And so upskill and know how these things work, know the risks most importantly, um, and, 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 and understand the liquidity, if you will, if you need or want to dispose of that. You know, traditional assets, there's a known market for being able to do that with crypto. There's a known market for being able to do that. It's pretty volatile, but nonetheless, you can do it. What does Nifty look like when the um, the spotlight moves from artist A that just logged something for $69 million to, oh, that's, he's just sold out and it's way too commercial these days, to artist B, the up-and-comer, and you try and flog the work that you bought from artist A and it's worthless. It's no different to the art world. It's just stored in a different way. It's it's funny. It's a really tough one to navigate. And, and, and I think in the future, we'll start to see 
even something that I read in particular that I the other day was people writing movie scripts, publishing them as NFTs with the intention of it making to Hollywood and then getting a clip on on it showing in a big movie. Yeah, and and, and I guess that sort of um, um, authentication of the the ownership of it, the the authoring rights or the the, the, the IP that you've put in at its very essence is what blockchain is all about. So if you've come up with something and it's a great idea and it's yours, nobody can really bastardize it and take the, take the credit for it. It goes back to the originator and that sort of um, um, genesis of the origin of something I think is a really important thing. And that, that, that whether it be in pharmaceutical development for, um, for, for you know, prescription drugs or drugs that are coming off patent uh, and they become, you know, as you may be aware in the pharmaceutical industry, you can you can have a patented drug for a period of time, and then it becomes something that's open source and people sure. on white label. And this is a way, perhaps, where if you've got the formula for that uh, particular uh, pharmaceutical product, you can continue to be paid even if it's a white label version of that. So yeah, that's where blockchain is an amazing thing to understand. And I'm only just beginning to get my head around it. There's so much more to learn, and rest assured, I'll get good at it and I'll make some money from it. But at the moment. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you look at and awe at the very, very, very early innovators and go, well, you know, they, they were there early and a lot of people would point out, oh, it's done, can't go up anymore. We make to differ. Yeah, it can and it will. Uh, yeah. Because the, the next uh, range of, so the early adopters will move into your innovators and then it will become mainstream. And when that happens, man, there'd be some big dollars to be made in there. Absolutely. Well, look, I think the guess the message here is get educated and know what you're doing first. Mm. Uh, maybe with something more traditional before stepping into the unknown realm. I wonder if we can make this podcast uh, an NFT. It's digital content, isn't it? Can we do? We'll ask our production guys. We'll have to speak to one of the team out there if we can do this. I reckon we probably could. Yeah. What do you reckon the opening bid will be? I reckon five cents. Can't go any lower than that. You know, I'll match you at five cents and a half. So five and a half cents, done. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Who knows, maybe when someone mainstream picks it up after the innovators have finished, it could be worth millions. But yeah, the point being, all investments at some point when, you know, the person that bought, you know, Van Gogh's Irises for, you know, 26 million hour bond, you go, well, how ridiculous is that? Now we're at 150 million or 200 million. So, you know, things do continue to move on, provided they're scarce. So it's about finding the right asset, it's got commercial value, it's scarce, and that's no different from any other form of investment. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Thanks very much, Mr. Baxter. Interesting one, this one, but certainly a pleasure. Thank you very much. Anytime, Mr. Pleasure. There you have it, guys. Nifties. Make sure you give us a rating and a review. We'll look forward to hosting you in next week's vlog.